0: Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Hook, Line, and Splitter is presented by NJR Home Services. And now, here's your host, Greg Giambarisi. Welcome into Hook, Line, and Splitter, Episode 8. I'm Greg Giambarisi. Good day, everybody. Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast presented by NJR Home Services. Your energy savings MVP. So you can spend money where you really want to at the ballpark. Visit njrhomeservices.com. Episode 8. Today we talked to former Blue Class catcher Vito Friscia. He was a Blue Class catcher when we taped the interview the other day. Uh, and then he immediately got promoted to AAA Lehigh Valley. Uh, the next day he's now with AA Redding. But uh, still a, a really nice interview with, with Vito. He was a great young man. Played at Hofstra. Was a 40th round pick of the Phillies in 2019 from Long Island, one of a few Long Island players that uh, have played with the Blue Claws both this year, including catcher Logan Ohapi and pitcher Ben Brown, and over the last couple of seasons as well. So we talk about that. We talk about staying home to go to college. We talk about the draft process, uh, how he ended up with the Phillies, how he stayed in in baseball shape during the pandemic last year, goals uh, for him moving forward in this year, uh, we talk about some of the big arms on the Blue Claws staff and that he has to catch uh, this season, who has the best Blue Claws fastball. Uh, hint, it's Anya Reese Zabala. We talk about that. A lot of the uh, technological stuff that is used to help coach the pitchers that, that he has to be aware of as a as a catcher a little bit and a, a bit more as well. He had a two-home run game against Brooklyn on June 1st that we touch on as well. So uh, not with the Blue Claws at the moment, but still a really good interview with Former Blue Claws catcher Vito Frisia here on Episode 8 of Hook, Line, and Splitter. And then uh, when we're done with Vito, we'll come back and we'll get you ready for what should be another uh, fun week at the ballpark, albeit in a couple of weeks. Blue Claws will be on the road through June 27th. That next home game here on June 29th, Red, White, and Blue Claws weekend coming up after that. So we'll touch on that at the end. But first, let's hear from former Blue Claws catcher Vito Frisia. This is Hook, Line, and Splitter, Episode 8, presented by NJR Home Services your energy savings MVP, so you can spend your money where you really want to at the ballpark. Visit NJRHomeservices.com. Here's Vito Friscia. Our guest today, Blue Claws catcher, first baseman, D.H. Vito Friscia. Vito, welcome. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you for having me.
0: How do you think think your season's gone so far?
1: Uh, I think it's been well. I think I've been doing pretty well. Um, Started out pretty cold, but I think I've been heating up as of late, and uh, this team's a lot of fun to play with. So
0: you yeah, had the two home run game uh, last Tuesday, the first against Brooklyn. Had you ever hit two home runs in a game before?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I did it in college summer ball, and I did it at at Hofstra University. Um, did you get?
0: Did you get an at bat for number three, or did you hit your number two in the last at bat?
1: No, I got an at bat for number three. See, um, I, I think I walked. Um, yeah, I think I walked. So,
0: I know when when you guys were probably in Florida, you heard about how tough a ballpark this is for the hitters. And then you guys last week hit, we're taping this on June 8th. You guys hit 13 home runs in a six-game series with, uh, with Brooklyn there last week. I know it's still a very difficult part to hit, but it's got to be cool to have everybody kind of mashing at the same time.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely pretty cool. Um, it was a lot of fun to be in that environment. Um, you know, the game is just better when home runs are hit and more runs are scored. And you're a catcher. Yeah, I mean, on the <laughs> offensive side.
0: All right, so let's go back. Um, you're at Hofstra going through the draft process. Were the Phillies one of the teams you thought might, uh, might grab you? Was that a spot that you thought you could uh, end up?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I spoke to a, a good amount of teams um, throughout the draft process. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Phillies were definitely one of the ones that were high on me. And, um, you know, they ended up taking me. And I'm, I couldn't be more happy to be in this with this organization.
0: But you went in round 40. Were you following along? Is that about where you thought you might go? I mean, that's right on the border there. That, that was the last round. So, you know, how had that draft day go for a day three?
1: Um, no, I mean, it was, it was super stressful. I probably followed every single pick from round one to round 40. Um, I didn't really have an idea of where I was going to go. I actually was called by a couple teams on day two um, for a senior sign deal, like to see if I would sign for something cheaper. Um, so they could save money. Um, but I, I didn't really care where I went. Um, but yeah, I mean, I watched every pick and it just happened to be the 40th round. And, you know, it was super stressful and it was probably one of the worst days of my life until that pick happened. So,
0: you know, if, if you hadn't got drafted, you're, you'd probably get signed with somebody anyway and you'd be in the same kind of position. But it's got to be extra special to be able to, you know, look on the screen and see your name right there, your hometown, Hofstra, you know, you're representing everybody, your family and everything. What did it finally mean when it, when you got the call or how'd you find out you got the call or did you see your name first?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got a call in the 38th round by our area scout, Alex Agostino. Um, he, he just asked me if I would sign, if they took me with the next two picks. I said, absolutely. And, you know, it was butter, more butterflies than it ever was because I was like, Oh my God, it's real. And when my name popped up, it was just, overwhelming emotions like my parents were there screaming. I had a couple of buddies there that were going crazy. My girlfriend, um, my sister, my brother-in-law. So it was it was probably the best feeling I've ever had in my life.
0: So you get drafted, you go to Florida for the, the first summer and then last year. So how did things go for you last year? How did you stay in shape, stay baseball shape? What were you able to do in the summer when everything was shut down? or the spring?
1: Yeah, so my dad, um, he had a bunch of weights in the basement that he hasn't used in years. And um, so I just dusted them off and I made actually my own little gym. And uh, every day I just made sure I worked out just to stay ready because we really didn't know what was going on. Like it was always just stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So I was just kind of trying to stay in baseball shape until about, that was probably about July when we were told, hey, like, our season's like officially canceled. So then you were able like to almost get into like an off-season form. But from about when we got sent home in, I think that was March to July, I was working out to get ready for a season the entire time. So, yeah, I mean, I was lifting every day, throwing, hitting as much as I can at the fields, um, everything outdoors, because basically everything indoors was closed. Um, so that's that's basically I was kind of like everyone else.
0: Were you able to hit any live pitching or just machines or –
1: yeah, I mean, I was able to do some live pitching. Um, some of the guys in my area that I actually got to work out with when gyms opened. Uh, I have a couple of buddies that are in affiliated ball with a couple other teams, so we would go down to a couple of high school fields, and you know, I would catch bullpens for them, and then we started doing like live at bats first time. So it was probably like 13 of us um, that we would get our work in as as much as we could. So
0: coming out of high school, was it an easy decision to stay close to home and, and go to Hofstra? What what other spots did you consider, and how did you enjoy playing, uh, you know, close to home?
1: Uh, I really didn't know where I wanted to go. At first, I, I wanted to go away. Uh, I looked at a bunch of schools up and down the East Coast. Um, I actually wanted to maybe even go like ACC, which was like Boston College, or even Big Ten, like which was Penn State, but then it kind of came down, it was getting, I guess kind of late in the recruiting process, even though I still was a junior. Um, and Coach Russo just called me from Hofstra, called my dad and he pulled me out of school. I'll never forget it. And he wanted to take me on a visit. And um, he sat me down, he toured me to the campus for like an hour and a half. He brought me to practice and gave me an offer right on the spot. And I just felt so wanted. And I was like, you know what? My parents could come to every single one of my college games, um, close to homes, division one baseball, actually in a Southern Conference, which is the Colonial, um, I just felt like it was the perfect fit for me.
0: Yeah, Bryson said the same thing, Stott, when he was here, because he stayed home at UNLV, and he, and he said he wasn't really sure what he wanted to do, and then it kind of sank in, well, you know, I could stay here and kind of represent um, Las Vegas at UNLV, represent my home city at UNLV, and, and that's what he decided to do. So they pulled you out of well, – when they pulled you out of school to take the call or, like, to go on the
1: visit that one day? So, so my coach actually called my dad um, and seeing like if I could go, cause I was actually supposed to go on another visit to another school that night. Um, cause Hofstra wanted me to go on a visit that night. My dad already said like, Hey, he's going to, it was actually St. John's. And he was like, well, is there any way I could get him on campus now? I want him to see here before he goes to St. John's. And I know when you're going through the recruiting process, like when you go absent from school, if it's to visit a school, it's actually an excused absence. So I was allowed to leave school to go on the visit. You'd, uh
0: you seriously consider any other, any other school once you set foot at, on campus there at Hofstra, or you kind of fell for it right away?
1: Um, I mean, I committed right after the visit was done. Um, it was a little bit of – I loved it. I loved the coaches there. I loved how it was close to home. And it was a little bit of i – I'm so over this whole recruiting process. I just want to yeah. be done with it.
0: So you come to – after Hofstra, you come to the Phillies and here with – with the blue cloths right now, you got Logan with you from Long Island. Ben Brown was here. He'll be back hopefully soon uh, from Long Island. Obviously Nick Fanny's in the organization. Uh, they had a guy named Willie Carmona uh, back. This would have been 2012 or 13. He played here. Uh, but you got, you know, four Long Island guys right now in the, in the system. That's gotta be pretty cool for, for you guys to kind of band together.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty special. Um, you know, we have a couple really good area scouts in our area. You know, Sal Augustinelli, he does a great job with, you know, everything with the scouting, um, whether it be, like, over international or sure. even in, in the States. Alex does a great job, and I'm just really happy that, you know, they care and they give the, the credit to Long Island baseball that it deserves. Did you know Logan and Ben and Nick
0: before coming here?
1: Yeah, so – so Ben and Logan were younger than me. Um, I knew Nick um, because we played on a travel team together in a, just in a tournament, one tournament. And then we used to play against each other. Um, so I knew Nick, I wasn't really close to them cause we live about like an hour away from each other. Um, and then I used to do this like catching clinic with Logan. So I knew Logan, but he was younger and Ben I didn't really know much about until he got drafted but now I know a lot about him cause he's pretty nasty.
0: Yeah, hopefully he uh, hopefully he gets back up pretty soon. So, who did you grow up rooting for? Yankees, Mets? Who was your favorite team
1: player? Yeah, I, I was a Yankee fan. Who was your favorite player? Um, a lot of people might hate me for this, but I was a big Alex Rodriguez guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, always interesting. Always something going on, oh, yeah. uh, for sure. So, I, I saw you played. Uh, you played football in high school too. Was that something that you considered in? college as well or you were strictly uh at this next level always going to be a baseball guy
1: yeah so I I I mean I loved both sports um but I knew my future was at was in baseball I was good at both um I actually had an offer or two to play college football actually to play both at the colleges one was division two and one was division one um but I just I really just wanted to stick with with baseball I knew that's where my future was I loved it a little bit more and Um, I just thought I could go further in the game
0: playing two sports in college is really hard. You know, you get zero, you barely have an off season anyway, then you get, you know, zero off season and it's really difficult. What position did you play? I was a quarterback. Oh, well, that's the, that's the the glamor spot. (laughs) Who was your favorite quarterback growing up?
1: Um, I, I grew up a giants fan. Um, and, like, I guess by by default it has to be Eli Manning. But, sure. you know, I, I, I kind of – I know I this might be contradicting, but I, I do love watching Tom Brady. I mean, that guy's is unbelievable to still be doing it at the age he's doing it at.
0: For sure, for sure. Um, goals for yourself for the rest of the season?
1: You know, just, just help the team win every day. Um, just get better every day. Um, have fun with the game because, you know, you don't know what tomorrow holds and just enjoy every minute.
0: Who has the, because you catch these guys obviously, and there, I know there, there's a lot of pitchers down there. Who has the best fastball on the staff?
1: Best fastball. Um, I mean, it has to be Zabala. I mean, Zabala, he, he, he yeah. two Like a couple nights ago. So <laughs> yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty intense. And then uh, who's
0: got the breaking ball, the curveball, the slider that you don't want to face as a hitter?
1: Do I don't want to face as a hitter? Oh, man. I mean, they all got really good stuff. But if I have to go by the metrics and by what Rap Soto says, it's got to be either Blake Brown or, uh, or, it's, uh, or Mike Adams. They got some pretty nasty stuff.
0: Hughes has a pretty nasty slider, too, at least I from mean, upstairs.
1: Like, Hughes is nasty. I mean, it's, it's tough to say. It's a tough question. I mean, they all got pretty pretty good stuff.
0: How much do they go over the the stuff with you know the Soto outputs, the spin rates, and all that with you guys as as catchers? And um, how and over time, how can you can you tell what pitches are going to have are going to display better on the on the uh, analytical outputs just by watching them and catching them?
1: Yeah, so I mean, this year has definitely been. Um, i I've, I've really started to understand it a lot more um because you know Hawkenberry, our pitching coach he does a really good job with the staff and he like makes sure everyone understands what we're doing and why we're doing it and he makes the catchers even sit in on the pitchers meetings to have an idea of what they're even looking for and what we should you know what we could do to help like in game um so like I really started to understand like different tilts and how, how pitches break and you know what numbers look good on Repsoto. so um yeah, I mean, it's it, it's getting easier for me to see it through the eye and not have to go to, like, the iPad to, like, understand what happens. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's a big help. Like, definitely, like, when, like, pitchers are warming up before games or stuff like that, like, I could really see, like, the difference between their bullpen or when they're doing it in um, in the bullpen before they go in for their outing and really understand the difference.
0: I know on a Sunday, June 6th, um you were doubling up as the DH and catching the bullpen. Were there any tense moments where you had to, oh, oh, you know, oh, crap, I'm on deck or whatever, had to run back down, or was it pretty smooth?
1: Um, it ran it ran okay as best as we could. But, yeah, my, my last at-bat of the day, uh, I grounded out the shortstop, and I was basically on deck, and I was still in the bullpen warming up the pitcher. I think it was Silva at the time, and I was just like, I, I got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was probably my toughest at bat of the year because I really didn't get to see the, see the pitcher at all. But you know what? It's all part of it. And, um, you know, we had, the, we had the lead. And my job at that point was to warm the pitcher up. And I just had to do what I had to do.
0: Have you ever thought about um, coaching at all or anything like that in the, in the future? Long, thinking long term?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I just kind of try to take it a day, uh, day by day um, if that comes across later on then it comes across and I'll, 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 evaluate it. Had
0: you ever been, um, did, when you, when you were younger growing up, did you ever vacation down the Jersey shore? Had you ever been to this ballpark before, uh, you played in here?
1: I've never been here. Um, but I've definitely been to the Jersey shore, but I've never been to the stadium. What, what,
0: what's your, uh, what's your favorite Jersey shore spot? <laughs> I know you're under some restrictions and you can't really go everywhere you want, but,
1: um, as of now, I mean, it's probably Pete and Eldis. Um, okay. I don't know if that's really considered the Jersey shore, but we'll count it. Yeah. That piece is different
0: for sure. No, no, no. That's definitely good. And then have, have how many, uh, have you had games that brought some friends and family down? It's gotta be nice to be able to, uh, to play close enough to home you know, could yeah. you could be playing in any one of like 40 States with minor league teams? So you get to be close to home.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Like, you know, being in 2019, I was in the GCL and, you know, you know, minor league baseball is a grind to begin with. Um, But like, it's, it's more of a grind where you don't have your friends and family around. And like, it's just a lot easier here because knowing that I am a car ride away from going to see them and they come and see my games. And it just gives you that comfort level of, you know, having that home feel.
0: For sure. Well, Vito, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks so much. Uh, Continued success. And hopefully you have another couple of uh, two home run games here uh, coming up pretty soon. Thanks so much. Good luck, and we'll talk soon.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: That was former Blue Claw Vito Frisch, and now with Redding. Thank you to Vito for a few minutes the other day. This is Episode 8, Hook, Line, and Splitter, Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast presented by NJR Home Services, your energy savings MVP, so you can spend your money where you really want to, at the ballpark. We ask that you like, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll have a few more episodes coming out before we get to the next homestand, which doesn't begin until June 29th. The Blue Claws will spend six days in Wappingers Falls, New York, to play seven games against the Hudson Valley Renegades. They were rained out there a couple of weeks ago on the last day of the series. So what will happen is they will play a doubleheader on Friday night and then come back home, go to Brooklyn next Tuesday to play uh, that'll begin the twenty second to play six games there with the Cyclones, and then we'll be back here on the twenty ninth Hudson Valley for seven more games, uh, for six games, and then Wilmington for seven more games because the Blue Claws were unable to get in all six games against the Blue Rocks when they were here last week. So, at the moment as I speak here on the fifteenth, they haven't decided what day uh, that doubleheader will be, but it will be there will be a doubleheader in that series. My guess would be on the uh, Wednesday, that would be the 7th, but we'll we'll get an exact date uh, at some point here over the next few days. So what do we have going on this week? Well, it should be good. Um, the first series against Hudson Valley, obviously, they're the Yankee affiliate. There's a thirsty Thursday on July 1st. And then Red, White, and Blue Claws weekend, July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, with postgame fireworks all three days, uh, 7.05 July 2nd, 7.05 July 3rd, 7.05. July 4th, post-game fireworks, all three nights. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that Red, White, and Blue Claws weekend. And then the next week, you have Military Appreciation Night on Thursday, July 8th, and then some more stuff coming up. I think there'll be a concert on Saturday, July 10th uh, at that game as well. So there's a lot coming on. Go to blueclaws.com promotions for more information and an updated promotional schedule. So... That is uh, episode eight of Hookline and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast presented by NJR Home Services. Coming up, we're going to have uh, a really special guest soon. We're going to talk to Larry Shank, the former Phillies PR maven. Uh, they call him the Baron, who was with the Phillies for 50 years and served later as their vice president of alumni Uh, Relations as well So Larry will be uh, a guest We'll talk to Billy Bean uh, Vice President of Major League Baseball As it is Pride Month Uh, He's also a Special Advisor to Commissioner Rob Manfred So we'll talk to him And then we'll sneak another couple episodes in Hopefully before the uh, road trips end The road trip ends for the Blue Claws And then they'll be back home again Beginning on June 29th So there's a lot going on uh, with the Blue Claws At First Energy Park uh, we hope you can join us uh, beginning the 29th. Again, blueclaws.com slash promotions to see everything that's laid out. Order your tickets there. And then red, white, and Blue Claws weekend, July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, with three special nights of postgame fireworks. Thanks to our sponsor, NJR Home Services, your energy savings MVP, so you can spend your money where you really want to at the ballpark. Visit njrhomeservices.com. I'm Greg Jambarisi. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Hook Line and Splitter on Jersey Shore, the Blue Claws Podcast. Good night.